Well, let me add my welcome. I am Rob Boo, the senior pastor here at Wheaton Bible Church, and I want to welcome all of you this morning. I want to especially welcome those of you in the traditional service who are for the first time listening to the sermon via streaming. I also want to welcome all of you that are going to pick this up online. We are thrilled to be gathered as a body of believers under Jesus Christ. And today, I have really good news for you. I have great news, as a matter of fact, for those of you that feel frazzled by fear, suffocated by stress, uh, wiped out by worry. For those of you that believe in God but battle with anxiety in one area or more. And the news is that the gospel of Jesus Christ enables us to transcend this weapon of self-destruction that we call anxiety, that we call worry. And I'm going to use those two terms synonymously this morning. As a matter of fact, God is so concerned about this issue in our lives, the lives of his people, that one could say the most precious promises in the Bible are reserved for people that battle with anxiety. And it's in knowing Jesus and applying the wonder of the gospel to our lives that we find the ability to live by faith and not by worry. And I so need this in my own life as a man because honestly, like many of you, I'm a worrier. It doesn't take much to keep me up at night. And sometimes when a number of worries assault me, I, I, there's moments where I feel like my mind is almost paralyzed with stress. I worry about little things like, and stupid things like being late. But I also worry about big things like Wheaton Bible Church, our seven kids and their families. I worry about finances. The last couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, I worried about how our insurance company would respond to the hail damage that our house took. You know, these demonic ice pellets? Uh, we just got clobbered. We got clocked. I worry as a pastor, as a senior pastor here, about many of you. I worry about deadlines. I worry about the Cubs. And we should right now. <laughs> and sometimes I struggle with experiencing the peace that is mine in the gospel. And so do you. So this morning, and I want to be honest about this, this message isn't about eradicating anxiety from your life. For most of us, that's not going to happen this side of heaven. But instead, I want to come at this a little differently, and I want to encourage you, I want to plead with you based on the authority of God's word to stop wasting your worries. To understand that the things behind your worries are God's assignments in your life. 
to enable you to go deeper the way God wants to bless you as you lean into Jesus and the wonder of his love for you is unmistakable, unending, unimaginable love for you. And so to help us get there, I want to look at actually Jesus' most important section in the Gospels on worry. And it's found in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles, there's Bibles in front of you. Turn on your phones. We're going to put these verses up on the screen. We're going to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. And we're going to pick up Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount beginning in verse 25. For many of you that have been walking with Jesus for a while, this is a familiar passage. I've preached on it several times in the past. So would you stand with me as we read God's word? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown into the fire, will it Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You may be seated. Three times here, Jesus commands, do not worry. Verse 25, verse 31, verse 34. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus is not talking about good worry here. He is not forbidding having legitimate concerns about your future, about your kids, about hitting your sales targets, about the health of a loved one, or being concerned about what's taking place in the capital of Illinois right now relative to some of these legislative issues, especially this issue of abortion. We should be concerned about these things. Frankly, we as believers in Christ should be more concerned than often we are. Good worry, let me put it this way, Good worry is the emotional response to a legitimate threat. It's a normal thing. It's a natural thing. It's a, a, a necessary thing. Fear is the response to immediate threats. Anxiety and worry are the responses to future threats, more distant threats. But both... Fear, worry, and anxiety, or all of those, I, I should say, are God-given signs of a pending danger. 
For example, we have a small koi pond in our backyard. And we always have to have a net over it. Why? Because blue heron love to sweep in and eat our fish that are believers. When Jesus says, do not worry, Jesus is not saying no nets. Jesus is not saying don't lock your doors at night. Jesus is not saying don't be cautious on the Eisenhower. Jesus isn't here addressing good, worry, legitimate concerns. Rather, Jesus is talking about bad worry, and because it is commanded, I would argue sinful worry. And so the question is, what is Jesus talking about? What is bad worry? Bad worry is chronic unbelief. It's when legitimate concerns cross some sort of invisible line and lead to ongoing unbelief. Now I want you to look at verse 32. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now notice that Jesus says heavenly Father. Father carries tender connotations. Jesus is telling you the moment you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you're adopted into God's family and God becomes your father who loves you, who cares for you, who went infinite le- to infinite lengths to send a son to die for you, who will never let you go, who, as I just said, has brought you into his family and whose greatest desire is to have fellowship with you that you might have fellowship with him. He is your father. He is tender. He is loving. And as a parent delights in a son or a daughter, so God delights in you as a believer in Jesus Christ. But Jesus says he is also heavenly. In other words, watch out. Your father is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is infinite in his holiness, his righteousness, his his truth. So when Jesus puts these together, and he does the same thing earlier in verse 26... When he puts heavenly father together, he is telling us on the the one hand, God is merciful but majestic. That God is our daddy but is our king. He is humble and holy. He is near but he is above. He has a plan for every second of your life. And he has a plan for every moment of the universe. Worry loses track of this. Worry comes in, unpacks its bag, begins to move into our lives, trying to convince us that God is neither our Father nor heavenly. And so what Jesus is telling us here, and what I want you to understand in this passage, is that worry is a deeply spiritual issue. As a matter of fact, bad worry has two characteristics. First of all, in verse 25, let's look at the second sentence in verse 25. Did I lose that? Okay, I don't... um, If you look in your Bibles at verse 25, the second sentence... Jesus says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
So now we're back to this. Oh, there it is. Sometimes that's when it's right in front of you. It's like when Rhonda says, uh, uh, go get the ketchup, and I'm staring at the refrigerator. Well, where's the ketchup? Well, Rob, it's right in front of you. Right, men? Yeah, amen. I'll, I'll take that. Now notice, more and more. So what is the first characteristic of bad worry? Bad worry forgets there is more. More to life than what you see. Now, yes, we need food. Yes, we need clothing. Yes, we need shelter. Uh, yes, we need jobs. Yes, we need income. Yes, we need transportation. Jesus isn't denying any of this. Instead, he is saying you worry because you forget there is more. You forget there is a creator behind creation, a king behind the kingdom, a savior behind your stuff, a father behind your family. And so we worry, worry, we worry. This is the first characteristic of bad worry. The second is uh, we for worry distrust God. Now follow me. If bitterness is believing God got it wrong, worry is not believing God can get it right. It distrusts God. This is really Jesus' point with these two metaphors, these two examples, the birds and the flowers. And his point is, if God cares for the birds and the flowers in such detail, in providing for them and adorning them, then how much more God cares for you who are made in his own image. This is an argument of God's compassion. And so worry not only forgets there is God, worry distrusts and disbelieves in God's love. Worry tries to make it on its own. You know, one of the, um, let's talk about this with a teenager and a family. One of the highest compliments a teenager can pay a mom or a dad is to say, hey, you know, I don't agree with you on this. Implication, I think you're wrong. But mom or dad, I know you love me. I know you care for me. I know you always act in my best interests. So I'm going to go along with this. And I'm going to accept this. I'm going to submit to this. And I'm not going to rebel against that. I say this because worry rebels against God. It denies his love and his compassion. It's why Jesus calls worry little faith. You of little faith. So worry begins when we forget the more. That's the first characteristic. And then worry gets legs when we begin to doubt God's compassion for us, his care of us in any particular, any given moment. Now why in the world do we do this? The Bible tells us God calls every star by name. God knows every hair on our head. That's a whole lot of stars. That's a whole lot of hair, right? The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ went to the cross to die in our place for our sins. That's how much God cares about us. Do we really believe in any particular moment that God is going to ignore us, that God is going to forget about us, that God isn't going to come through for us? 
Worry forgets there is more. And worry disbelieves in the love and the care and the compassion of God. Now, let me illustrate this. Let's go back to the Old Testament. It's about 1500 B.C., 3,500 years ago, give or take a few decades. And Israel has just been supernaturally delivered from bondage in Egypt and brought out into a desert wilderness. While Israel was in Egypt, under slavery in Egypt, God spoke to Israel and said, there is a day coming where I'm going to completely change everything. And what did God do? God promised Israel at the peak of her suffering that Israel would inherit a good and spacious land, a land flowing, overflowing with milk and honey, the promised land. And because Israel's suffering was so great in those moments under Egypt, uh, God repeated this promise over and over some 20 times. And then God finally delivered Israel out of Egypt. But the journey to the promised land wasn't direct. After God miraculously parted the Red Sea and Israel escaped the Egyptian army, Israel did not instantly enter the promised land. Instead, Israel walked out of bondage into a desert. Now, I say that because that's the way it is with you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, We believe in Christ. We receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. We become new Christians or new creatures in Christ. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. We have all these wonderful blessings because we're now believers in Christ. But God never teleports you instantly into a life of comfort and ease. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that Israel's wanderings in the wilderness, the desert wilderness, are a metaphor or a picture of the spiritual life. So you and I are saved out of bondage to sin. We are headed to heaven. But in between... There is this wilderness experience, our life on earth right now, where we face trials and temptations and worries. Now here we come to the key, because in this story in the Old Testament, which is a big story in the Old Testament, in Numbers 13, Moses, the leader of Israel, appoints 12 men to go into the promised land, this land that is apparently incredible, and to check it out. And these 12 men go, and they come back, and 10 of the 12 say, uh, there is no way we can go into the promised land because they are riddled with worry. And they say there are giants in the land, and the cities are too well fortified, and we we can't uh, overtake. And really, basically, what they're saying, their facts are true. But in their own hearts, they've even crossed this invisible worry line. And they've succumbed to unbelief. And two of the 12, if you know this story, Joshua and Caleb say, no, we can go. Uh, God will take care of us. And all of a sudden, Israel is facing, as a young nation, its first and its greatest test. Do we listen to the 10 and do we go back towards Egypt? Do we pursue, in other words, safety and security? 
Or do we move forward by faith, trusting God, knowing there will be struggles and there will be battles and there will be conquests? And Israel chose the former. Israel chose to go back in unbelief. And in that moment in Israel's history, worry won. Where does worry win in your life? Worry wants control. Worry wants to be boss. Worry is when your problems loom larger than the promises of God. Is that happening in your life right now in, in this area or uh, maybe in this little thing or this medium-sized thing or, or this big thing? Jesus commands, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, three times. He means cl faith clings to the person and the promises of God. Despite, now hear this, despite your problems. Because your life on this planet is like Israel in the wilderness, in the desert. There will be times you'll be parched. There will be times you're going to be hungry and thirsty. There's going to be times you're going to wonder where God is. Now, I wish I could say personally as a man, I'm always like Joshua and Caleb, but I'm not. I wish I could say that the promises of God always loom larger than the problems of Rob. But that's not the case. I wish I could say that heaven is so primary that this, the, the stuff that stresses me seems so small, but actually, as I mentioned earlier, it's often just the opposite. What about you? Do your problems loom larger than the promises of God? What about you today? When Jesus commands, do not worry, Jesus is saying, don't be like the ten, be like the two. As a matter of fact, all of the Israelites over 20, when the decision, fateful decision was made to go back and not to enter into the promised land, all of them died because of unbelief except for two, Joshua and Caleb. Now, we tend to think worry is no big deal. It's just what we do. But Jesus warns us repeatedly not to worry because he knows a couple of things. He knows worry makes our lives miserable. And he knows that worry can kill you. And it can reveal unbelief. It can cost you the judgment of God. So now I want to move to this final question. Well, how do we overcome? This is what worry is, so what do, what do we do? And I want to suggest there's three ways we overcome. Number one, you look to God in the moment of stress. At the beginning of verse 26, Jesus says, look at the birds. See how God provides for them. 
Jesus is talking about the providence of God. He's saying, rest in the biblical doctrine of the providence of God. Now, what is the providence of God? The providence of God is God created you. He rules and reigns over you, and he will provide for you as he did in his son, as he deems best. Uh, the providence of God is about God's sovereign, gracious provision. But what I want you to see here is the verb at the beginning, look. In the Greek, it means to think, to process, to consider. Jesus is saying, use your minds and apply what you see in creation, what you hear me teach to your hearts. In other words, apply to your hearts the providence of God that's demonstrated in the way God provides for the birds. Now, there's an implication here I don't want you to miss. And the implication is worry is the absence of thinking spiritually. Jesus says, my people, my followers, think. They look at what's going on around them. They rest in the providence of God. They see examples all around them. So when you're worrying, you're not thinking about the sovereign reign and rule and the goodness of the providence of God. Worry, another way to say it is worry looks at the wrong things. Uh, faith, in other words, isn't turning your mind off. It's turning your mind on. And it's not merely listening to your worries. It's you talking back to your worries because you're looking, you're looking, you're active. Uh, so you quote to yourself Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavenlies and his sovereignty rules over all. Not few, but all. Not a few things, but all things. He's established his throne in the heavenlies. His sovereignty rules over all. Man, do I want you to understand the providence of God. It's also revealed in Romans 8.28, so you quote that to yourself. And we know God works all things, all things, all things together for good. So when Jesus says, look, when he commands, look, he's commanding you, inviting you, telling you to fill your mind with the truth of God's words, God's promises, specifically the wonder of God's promises about his sovereignty and his rule and his providence. He wants you to claim these and press them into your heart. So you're not merely listening to your heart, you're talking to your heart. You're not merely listening to your emotions, you're responding to your emotions with the truth of God's word. And look and thinking and combating your worries with the truth of God's word is key to transcending our momentary worries. But let me go on to the second. And that is, we expect worries. We expect stress. We expect difficulty and trouble way ahead of time, before the stressors hit. We just know it's part of wandering in the wilderness. We know it's why God didn't teleport us into heaven. 
So let me see this and let me tease this out for a couple of minutes. This is the very last sentence in our passage. It's the last sentence in verse 34. And what does Jesus say? Well, in his highly encouraging, delightful way, he says, hey, by the way, each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, why in the world in a section on worry does Jesus conclude this way? And the answer is he wants us to understand that to be free from trouble and free from worry are not the same things. Now, let's do a little deeper dive. This is Lamentations chapter 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Now notice this. They are new every morning. They are new every morning. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says every day there will be trouble. Lamentations chapter 3 tells us every day there will be new mercies. Have you ever put these two together? In other words, there will be both trouble and, and mercy every day in the life of the believer. And the mercies are new. The mercies never fail. Now, I say this because, and you've probably experienced this, over the years, I've had too many people say to me, I don't think I'm going to make it. This is so bad. This is so awful. I don't think I can do it. And really what they're saying is the future looks so grim, the future looks so dark, so impossible, that they are not at all sure that they can get through it. But in verse 34, previous to what I just read, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. He talks about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't focus on tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. And so what is Jesus saying before he gets to this issue about each day has enough trouble of its own? Jesus is saying, you stay in today. You take one day at a time. And you will be overwhelmed. You will feel like you're not going to make it and you're going to suffocate if you focus on tomorrow. Now here's what I want you to see. In the hand of God... Today's mercies, they're new every morning, are designed to empower you to overcome today's troubles. And I want you to keep Lamentations chapter 3, the truth of that, together with what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 at the end of verse 34, because in the economy of God, for the child of God, God's mercies are more than equal to the troubles he allows us to go through. And we cannot, we cannot forget about the fact that this is the assignment God has given us. So we expect it. We expect we're going to worry next week. We expect this difficulty next week. And then we cast ourselves on the mercy of God. Daily mercies, daily trouble. Let me go on to the third. Seek Jesus in and through the stress. This is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. 
Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now he's talking about God's kingdom and God's righteousness. But Jesus is really also talking about his kingdom and his righteousness because he's at the center of God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And this is absolutely incredible. Jesus is not saying when he says seek, he's not saying, okay, you believers try harder. Jesus is saying, you take the wonder of my love and apply it more deeply into your life, into into your heart. That you understand how much I love you, all that I did for you, and you think about that. And you seek me and and you memorize the word and you think about all that I have done for you. So you can say, I know grace. Yes, it feels like the bottom has fallen out, but I know grace because I have died in Christ and I am alive because of my union with Christ. I, I know peace. Because God, Jesus has adopted me into his family. I know power because Christ has raised me from the dead. I know joy and, and, and security because of God's love for me, the fact that he is never going to let me go. And when we spend a life of seeking Jesus, We can manage, we can overcome worries, and it's the gospel that enables us to live by faith, not by worry. A pastor was on an airplane. The airplane experienced severe turbulence. I mean, it dropped a couple of times, it bounced, it listed a little, and the pastor was petrified as long, along with almost everybody else on the airplane. But the pastor was sitting on the right side as you look forward, and he noticed a, a row down, there was a girl on the aisle to his left, an 11-year-old, and she had her headphones on, and she was just having a great time. So here the pastor's panicked, and this little girl is totally at peace. When the plane landed, he went up to her and said, hey, you got to explain this to me. Why were you so relaxed? Why, why did you experience so much peace? And the little girl looked at him and said, oh, my daddy's the pilot. And he was taking me home. Do you see? Do you? Jesus is your pilot. And he is taking you home. Yes, there will be storms. But he's going to get you through those storms because he endured the greatest storm in suffering and dying for our sins so that we might have peace. And may God make this real to you in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we marvel at all you have done for us in your son. And and when I read these words, I am distraught by what an invitation we have 
to not be miserable, but to live lives of joy and peace and comfort, not because of our circumstances, but because of you. And I pray for these men and women, these students, these children, that this would be true in their lives. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.